we're going to press towards uh, a theme for today that we've kind of been singing through in this service and talking through. And this is called My Rebellious Heart. And so just to start with, anybody have a rebel heart? Okay, yeah, so I think, yeah, rebel at heart. Okay, I see where we're going now from <laughs> Mississippi. All right, uh, and that may be a rebellious heart also, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm part of that DNA circle as well. I mean, I've got uh, plenty of rebellion in my own heart that I still battle, right? And I think if we're all honest, we probably still battle that as well, right? And we'll ask some of those questions here in just a minute. Um, but Numbers 14 is where we're going to be. We're going to talk through kind of the, um, a familiar story, just maybe a chapter beyond what may be more familiar as we think through the a nation of Israel here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about my rebellious heart. Uh, when you think of that term, rebellious heart, like what is that? How would you define that? If you said of me, he has a rebellious heart, what are you saying of me? Doesn't want to be told what to do. Okay, very good. All right, so that breeds an attitude that says, yeah, my way, I'm going to do it my It's kind of a power struggle, isn't it? Power and control there, and so who's in charge? So I don't want to be told what to do. Anybody like to be told what to do? I think sometimes when it comes to God, we would probably like that a little bit. You know, could you be a little bit more clearer? You know, when I wake up today... Lead me exactly to who you want me to speak to. You know, show me everything you want me to give away. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right? Sometimes we may want that kind of control. But most of the time, when somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, you're going to do this. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> or no, I'm not. Right? That's what you think. Uh, and man, that was a struggle of mine. Man, I'm so glad to see you guys smiling because that makes me feel like we're kindred spirits here. We're all a bunch of rebels at heart. But I can remember being a child in my mom and dad's home and them telling me things to do. And I was like, no. Even things that I wanted to do, I wouldn't do it. Why? Because they told me to do it. Had they asked me or just made a suggestion, hey, son, I think this would be a good idea. Why don't you try this? Oh, I'd have bought that in a heartbeat. But the whole do it because I say so just proves that I'm proud and arrogant and that I had a rebellious heart. And so maybe you can identify with that as well. So, uh, yeah. Power control, things of that nature. To have a rebellious heart, I think, also means that we struggle with authority. Right? You ever pass a police officer on the interstate and not slow down? You know? Just me? Right? So sometimes I'm that way. I see you sitting in the median, and I don't care. And I'm not slowing down. I'm just going to keep on trucking at the speed that I'm going at. All that is is a rebellious heart if I'm speeding. Right? It just proves that I've got issues with control. And uh, I've known that for a long time and I still find myself struggling with that here today. And so I would say it's safe to assume that all of us have some, some rebel hearts that we're dealing with. Uh, and just to prove it, do you ever find yourself wanting to go your own way? Like maybe the Word of God says do this and you say, no, I'm going to do that instead. Right? I tend to talk about forgiveness quite a bit. So I know I should forgive, but... I just can't do it. The way you've hurt me, the way you've hurt my family or my children, what you've said to me or how you've treated my church family, I just can't forgive you. And so, no. Right? I know I should. I'm just not going to do it. Sometimes maybe you battle with a rebellious heart there like I do. 
You ever find yourself wanting to resist authority? You ever find yourself putting off something you know you should do? Right? You ever put it off? Like, I know I should do this, but maybe I'll get to it later. Maybe I won't. All right? It's just about me, right? When I want to do it. So don't tell me what to do. So the good news today is this. We're all in this together. We've all had rebel hearts, and so have the first people from creation on. Everybody's had a rebel heart, right? Mom and Dad told you to clean your room, and you said no. And they told you to turn the TV off and go to bed, and you said no. Maybe you didn't say no, but maybe you just didn't do it. Or your employer said, this is the deadline for this project, and you said no, all right? It's the next day when I told you I would turn it in. Right? Sometimes we all struggle there. So, yes, we battle with a rebellious heart. The good news today, though, is that we can overcome that heart. And so that's what we're going to be looking into here out of Numbers 14. We're going to find a group of people who are not unlike you and I, all right? Struggling in very similar ways, battling their nature within, wanting to go their own way, thinking they know better, and ultimately it led them to some real serious consequences. So let's try to just put this in a nutshell, uh, if you're not real familiar, just to kind of set the stage or the context. So we're dealing with the nation of Israel here. These are God's people. They've been in Egypt for many, many years serving there as slaves. They've been oppressed, and they've been abused, mistreated, mistreated, and uh, they're begging for God to deliver them. They've cried for deliverance. God sent them a deliverer. His name was Remember the deliverer's name for the nation of Israel? Moses, all right? Moses, I think I saw that on hands, Moses, right? Moses was the deliverer, okay? And so he's going to lead them out, and he's going to lead them into a land that God's going to show them, but they're going to struggle along the way, all right? So before they can get into the land, God says, hey, I'm going to send some spies in, go check it out, and then let's go in and let's pr proceed and, and take this land. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up this story, all right? Numbers 14, Numbers 13 ends with the 12 spies coming back from 40 days, searching out the land, right? Went and looked at it, found it was amazing, just like God said. They came back and spread a report to the whole nation. Listen, we're dealing with millions of people at this point, all right? So this isn't some small group of people. Uh, this is a vast group of people who have significant influence for future generations and we're going to see them really fumble the ball here. We're going to see them struggle with the rebellious heart. And they're going to deal with some consequences. So our, our goal today in this is to try to look at how they failed and learn from their mistakes so maybe we can hinder or, or not be hindered in trying to follow the Lord in similar ways. All right, Numbers 14 is where we'll pick up. Twelve have returned, spread a report. Ten didn't like what they saw. Two said, let's go get it. And so here's what's happening afterwards. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All right, the report that came back was, these people are huge. Their cities are fortified. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And if we go in, we'll certainly be killed. Right? So all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. We'll come back to that. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Is that what God said would happen? No. Isn't it interesting how we run to create our own outcome? Right? 
This has nothing to do with what God said, but this is where their minds went, kind of when we play the what-if game. So here's what will happen if we do this. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That absurd idea seems to make sense. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephna, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. That is, these guys were grieved. They were burdened at the response of the Israelites because they knew where it was headed. And, and so they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord's pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we'll devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Therefore, then do not be afraid of them. All right, so a few things we're going to look at from not just these nine verses, but we'll work our way all the way throughout this chapter. I would encourage you later today, this afternoon, go read all of chapter 14 and look at how they responded. Uh, and, we'll, and you'll further see what we're talking about here today. And so a few things we'll work through. Number one is going to be this. We can overcome our rebellious heart by trusting God in the next step, whatever it is that he's directed us in, even in when we don't see every step. Okay, and so I might see that I need to be here. I just can't see how here gets me there. I know I'm getting there. I just can't see everything in between. And I'm not really even sure what there looks like fully. I just know that this is the next step that I'm supposed to take, right? In our Red Sea Rules study, Rob Morgan reminded us, when we're not sure what to do, just take the next logical step of faith. What we're saying here is, go ahead and take that step, even though you can't see what awaits you, even though that future is unknown. I think one of the greatest hindrances that we face as believers is the, is the unknown future, right? And so we start rushing to some decisions or determinations just like these Israelite people did, right? Things that God had never said, this is where they end up thinking this is how it's going to, to play out. And so this is often where fear and faith collide. And for the Israelites, faith win the day. And so let's go back and visit these first four verses Looking again, kind of at the heart, the attitude of the rebel here. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices, and they all wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to the land to let us fall by the sword? Right? God didn't say any of this stuff. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And so they said to each other, Here's our plan. Let's choose a new leader. And let's go back to Egypt. So in their mind, for whatever reason, the task before them sounds impossible. Right? If the theme music would be playing in the background, this would be mission impossible music. You know, I'm, I'm sure they wondered, how are we going to get into this land that's not ours? How are we going to claim it? How are we going to go up against these fortified cities? Right? How are we going to go in and claim fields that we didn't plant? How are we going to defeat giants? It seems like the nation as a whole and these spies thought that this was entirely impossible. The truth of the matter is God hadn't given them full disclosure. Right? You ever feel like you're entitled to know more of the plan? Okay, God, I'll follow you, but you just got to make a few more things clear to me. Or it's got to be a 100% clear. You know, I'm, I'm to the place now where it's like 51% clear. As long as I'm feeling like I'm leaning a little bit this way, then I'm going to let my momentum take me that way. And God, you're going to have to slam that door hard because I'm hitting it running. Right? 
That's kind of the growth of faith in my own life. But sometimes we want God to lay out everything. We want more of the story. Then I'll follow how you are leading. And so God hadn't done that. He hadn't laid out everything. He simply said, go spy out the land. Right? That's all you got to do. Take the next step. Go spy out the land. And we'll go from there. Well, their minds started racing. And they started to determine some things. We've already said this twice that God didn't say. They said, we'll die how? By the sword. Did God say that? No. They said, our children will be taken as plunder. And our wives. Did God say that? No. And so in their mind, they're trying to visualize what the outcome will be. If we take this next step of faith and we follow God in here, this is what's going to happen when God's promised all along that He was going to give them this land. He had simply commanded them to spy it out, take the next step. And for them, their best thought was, hey, let's get a new leader and go back to Egypt. Right? How far off track do you have to be following God when something absurd sounds like wisdom? Right? That's pretty far off track. Let's go back to being slaves, to being mistreated, abused, oppressed. Like, how far off track do you have to be where going back sounds like a good idea? And that's exactly where they are. We need a new leader. Who led you here? Who got you out of slavery? Who performed all the plagues? Who parted the sea in ways you never thought imaginable? Right? Like, their response should have been, let's go forward full force. And yet we see them here trying to come up with a new plan because to take this step following God is going to end in all sorts of consequences. Little did they know that their thought process was right because they disobeyed what God was leading them to do. Now let's contrast this with Moses, the leader of the people. All right. So if you back up uh, a chapter, Numbers 13, this is where God is going to send out, tell Moses to send out the twelve. So follow along here as we read this. Lord says to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Okay, that's the plan to Moses, from God, to him. What does Moses do? At the Lord's command, Moses sent them out. Okay, what do you call that? That's obedience, right? And it's just instant. God said, hey, get some people, go spy it out, and then we're going in. So Moses says, all right, here's our people, now go spy it out. It was just instant obedience. So you can contrast here their leader with all the nation of Israel. Moses was ready to take the next step. Did Moses know what was awaiting them? Did Moses know how the battle at Ai was going to go? Did he know how the battle of Jericho was going? The battle of Jericho is just as crazy as the Red Sea, right? And we've said that before. You go out on a football field or a basketball court and get your team to run in circles around the other team, scream real loud, and you win. You say, that's dumb. Nobody would do that. They'd look like fools. That's what they did, and they won. But Moses didn't know that at the time. All Moses knew was go spy out the land. Right? Next step, even though I can't see what awaits me further down the road, just take a next step. And so it's supposed to look like this instant obedience. However God is directing your heart, go. However you feel prodded to serve somebody, go serve them. Right? Let God shut you down rather than years later going, man, I wish I would have listened when God was prodding my heart. You know, I remember hearing my uncle as he would stand here preach many years ago saying how he put off the call of God on his life to pastor a church. One of the biggest regrets of his life was to do so. 
Right now, sometimes God will allow us to do that later in life, but lots of times when we walk away in disobedience, the door's closed. And so here Moses gives us this good picture of what it looks like. Get spies, send them out. I got spies and I sent them out. Go into the land. No, no, no. We'll die by the sword. Our wives will be taken as plunder. We just need a new leader, not you, God. Your direction's kind of malfunctioned. We're going to go back to where everything doesn't make sense. It's nonsense, and yet to them it sounds like wisdom. Their fear is kind of compelling them more than their faith, and the end result is they're going to experience some consequences. So we need to be able to follow God's lead. Let's also look here. If we go to verse 8 of Numbers 14, this is Joshua and Caleb. Right? Experienced the same thing the other ten did. Here's their response to the Israelite nation. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will what? He'll lead us into the land. You're all saying we're going to die by the sword and our kids and wives are going to be plundered. You're missing the point. What God says is if He's, if he's in this, He's leading this, then we're fine. Right? They go on to say that they're no longer protected. Right? God's going to give them over to us and we're going to go in and walk through victorious. And here still yet, the people didn't want to hear it. Did Joshua and Caleb know all the details? No. That's right. So how many details do you and I need to know before we'll take the next step of faith? Right? How many things have we not done where we felt a prodding in our heart to do simply because we thought it would lead to a consequence that was really unknown? If I share my faith, I'll get fired. Right? If I go try to help my neighbor... They'll think that I'm weird and they won't talk to me anymore. Or if I try to talk to my loved one about Jesus, they'll just reject and then we'll have this barrier in our relationship for the rest of our days and it'll just be awkward so it's better not to say anything. Like we run ahead and kind of conclude things that God hasn't made clear. Sometimes God just says take the step and that's where the obedience lies. That's all we're accountable for is faith in the next step. Our faith is built as we take just the next step without knowing what's coming down the road. I had no idea. And I'm not perfect at this by any stretch of the imagination. I had no idea how things would look 14 years ago. Just thinking, standing here, I mean, we're pretty close to that, right? I think it was June 6th, 7th, and 8th, somewhere in 2003, right? When, when God drops off, us off here. So we had no idea what it would look like 14 years later. Had no idea what God was doing, right? And I still don't know. It's still just about taking the next step. And so what's your next step look like? What's my next step look like? That's what the Lord is asking us to take. And so sometimes I want to know details. And God has a way of just not cashing those in for us. The good news is, though, He's a God who specializes in details. So He sees fully, He knows clearly, and He'll make the way. And so we want to be people who overcome Get rid of this rebellious heart and take your next step of faith. What's it look like for you? What's it look like for me? Trusting God in the next step even when we don't see every step or each step beyond that one. All right, two here. We can overcome our rebellion by focusing on God rather than the problem that is before us. Focus on the God who's with you rather than the problem that is before you. You know, some of the things the Israelites mentioned were like these fortified cities. Like, we have no way to battle. Like, we're not equipped to battle these cities, right? Their main problem wasn't fortified cities. Their main problem was that their eyes were on the problem in front of them 
rather than on the God who was with them. They had forgotten their God and what led to, and that ultimately then led to their rebellion. And so they choose the easy route. And so God's going to clarify this as he speaks with Moses. Let's see this here. If we go back to Numbers 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? Don't you know, I would assume daily conversation with these people would be, don't you remember what our parents and grandparents said about the Red Sea? Our great-grandparents? Remember that story? I mean, that's one of those things that doesn't get old. Like you tell that over and over and over again. So how do we get to a point of seeing great miracles and then get to a point where I just don't believe in God? I don't have faith. They focused on the problem before them rather than the God who was with them. And it led to some dire consequences. And so sometimes we just got to get God's perspective on things. See, God's perspective for them was they should go in here with great courage. They should go in here with great hope. They should go in here really with great expectation. Right? Just like I should come to uh, church as we gather for worship, as you should come, we should come with great expectation that God's going to speak. As His Word goes out, He's going to challenge, He's going to draw, He's going to compel me to walk from this place and live in a way uh, that's maybe similar to what I've heard or maybe has nothing to do with what I've heard. God just felt like they had every reason to trust Him. And so their attitude could have been, I don't know how this is going to happen. Right? But the God who did the whole Red Sea thing, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited, but how is He going to make this happen? Big cities, right? We look like grasshoppers. There's giants there. Yet, this is an exciting time in our life. What is God going to do? How is He going to provide a way or open a door? How is He going to advance this opportunity? And yet, they didn't see it that way. They said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. If we go in, we'll surely die. And so they start backpedaling. They can't remember anything about the Red Sea. And because of the potential problem in front of them, they forgot about their God who was with them. And the result was they rebelled. You know, we could backtrack that song we sang this morning. talks about turn your eyes on Jesus. Right? When you look at Him, things of this world grow dim. Right? What happens when we fail to look at Him? And those things that should grow dim are now getting brighter and brighter. They're starting to dominate the way that we think. And that's just all we can see. All we can see is I'm out of a job. All we can see is they don't like me anymore. All I can see are, are dead ends everywhere I look and trouble and panic and fear and all that stuff starts to set in on me because I'm magnifying what's before me rather than focusing on the God who's with me. And for these Israelites, this led to a great rebellion. And it's a real true sign of a rebellious heart. When I start to fear or worry or panic, that's just rebellion. When I start to try to fix it or try to come up with a solution that's not centered in Christ, that's just a rebellious heart. Like, I've got to get out of this as quickly as I possibly can. I've got to salve the wound or I've got to put a bandage on it. It's going to create some kind of healing. It's up to me to fix this. That's just a rebellious heart. Like, I'm not waiting, not seeking, not pursuing God. Do you remember? Well, we didn't read it here this morning. You'll read it later when you read later today. Numbers 14, Joshua and Caleb, after they talk about God's going to lead them in, the Israelite people are going to say, hey, we need to do something with Joshua and um, Caleb. What's good something to do with people you don't want to hear anymore? 
I mean, we'd probably get in trouble for doing this today. They, they said, hey, let's everybody grab some big rocks, throw them at Joshua and Caleb as hard as you can until they quit breathing. Right? Let's don't try that. But that was their plan. Let's stone these guys. Really what they're saying is, let's silence all the God talk. Right? They're saying if God's for us, he's going to lead us. We can't hear that right now. All we can see is death and plundering. All we can understand is that Egypt was a whole lot better than where we're going. See, a good sign of a rebellious heart is when you and I push away God talk. You ever tried to talk with somebody? Maybe you haven't seen them at church in a while. Maybe you haven't seen them post anything about God in a while. Or when you talk to them, they don't talk anything about prayer or there's nothing really making you think that they're really following after the Lord. And when you start to talk to them about this, they just shut you down. Why is that? Because we don't want to hear it. You know, when I was a teenager sitting like in the front pews to Cater Church, listening to the pastor there, my teenage years was a guy named Ed Hollis. And Ed would preach and then he'd give an invitation. You know, during invitation, I would get like a hymn book out or I'd start doodling just to distract my mind. Why? Because I didn't want to deal with the sin that was in my heart. I didn't want to have to acknowledge that what I was doing was not walking God's direction. And so I was trying to silence the God talk. And this whole nation is trying to silence the God talk of Caleb and Joshua. Let's just go ahead and kill them. Let's take care of that so then we can pursue the absurd. And when does it ever make sense, stop following God and come up with a better plan? And yet we do it, don't we? We shut him out. He's a last resort. We try to figure stuff out and we suffer consequences. And then it's like, okay, maybe we should have started with God rather than coming to God at the end. A response here, a response of faith, focus on God. Right? You're going to have problems. We've all got them. You're going to suffer hardships that you're going to say, I don't deserve, this is unjust, or I didn't see this coming, this wasn't the plan, the next step I took didn't think was going to lead me here. And yet God has known every step along the way. And so trust in your God, focus on Him, magnify your God and minimize your problem rather than minimizing your God and magnifying your problem. From God's perspective, we should go forward every day with great courage, no fear, no worry, no stress, no panic, no wondering how's this going to work out. If God's God, let's go. If God's God, take the next step of faith. If God's God, just trust it to Him. Yeah, deal with your problem, but know that your God walks through it with you. And so we're going to focus on our God rather than our problem that's before us. And dealing with my rebellious heart here, I'm going to overcome my rebellion as I remember that my rebellion affects other people. Our rebellion affects other people. And a lot of this to me has to do with preparation. How many spies went to spy out the land? So 12 spies go in. How many come back and give a negative report? 10. What that says to me, their heart wasn't prepared for what they saw. Right? They didn't do the, the planning for the next step that could have some obstacles there that look massive. And so when they saw the fortified cities, when they saw the large armies, when they saw the giants of people, they just reeled in fear because they weren't prepared. 
And their best option is to flee, at least so they think. And that spreads to a whole nation. And we've read through partly here how the nation responded. The nation wasn't ready to hear what they heard. Right? Think of it this way. Think of me standing here saying, church, listen. We've been trying to submit to God and follow His leading here. It's not working. And so here's the plan that I submit. And this is what we're going to start doing. And it's Corey's plan. And so I start laying out all sorts of stuff that we're going to do. Are you going to go for that? I hope not. See, somewhere a nation of people should have risen up and said, hey, wait a minute, you ten. We understand that you've seen some stuff that was, seemed substantial, like insurmountable. It seemed impossible. But remember, God said He's with us. He's leading us in this. So let's do this. And here you've got a whole nation that wasn't ready to hear that they could take a next step leading into the unknown where it seemed to be some struggle knowing that God was going with them. He's promised already to give it to them. And yet we don't hear any of that. We hear the exact opposite. So here's the result. All right? How you and I live affects other people. Your children, nation of Israel, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. 40 years, text goes on to say, one year for every day that you went and spied out the land. And for 40 years, your children will suffer your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. You heard the ripple effect? Listen, don't buy the lie that says, what I choose to do doesn't affect anybody else. That's bull. Every choice we make has an effect on every person that we come into contact with. Oh, it's just me. It's my life. Nobody else is going to be concerned. If I mess up, I'm just messing up me. No, you're not. Forty years, your children here in this context would suffer their unfaithfulness. And so God made them this promise. If you're 20 years of age and older, you're not going into the promised land. And somewhere between now and 40 years from now, you'll die and your body will lay out here in this land. You're this close and you'll never see it because you won't take a step of faith. You're this close and yet you're a coward when all along you should be courageous and you'll never see how I'm going to bless your children. You think your children are going to be plundered? They're going to go in and rule. They just didn't get it. Forty years is a long time on one hand. I just wonder, walking through the wilderness, don't you think that'd be a regret, a 40-year regret? That's a, that's a long time. I've had some regrets from my high school days, some things I'd love, with, if I had the chance, I'd go back and do over. But I can't, and it just walks with you. You know, and it pops up in your mind sometimes, oh yeah, man, I, you try to invest that in the, your children, the next generation, like, it's not the way you want to go. It's not the road you want to travel. 40 years here walking away from God's blessing simply because you and I couldn't follow, or in their case, the nation of Israel. And so I know we'd like to think that our choices only affect us. But every choice we make affects other people. Maybe one person, maybe a whole nation. 
I mean, this is the belly of the beast that you and I live in in this country right now. Think about it. There is even fewer number of people who made a decision on behalf of millions that still affects our country and it's influenced the world to follow the same way of thinking. The United States, land of the free, home of the brave, world leaders. Is it 72 or 73? When nine people got in a room and seven of those nine said it makes sense to, to kill unborn children. Like you and I sit here and we say that is what? I mean, there's, there's not a bad enough adjective that really kind of captures how we feel about that. Listen, there is grace for those people as well. When we've committed those acts, there is forgiveness there. That's not the unpardonable sin and that's not the direction we're going. What we're talking about here is the influence of a few over many. Seven people said it's a good idea. It's good for our economy is what they say today. It's going to lead to a prosperous nation. It's just us using wisdom and making better decisions. And so you've got other countries saying the same thing. It worked for them. So let's eliminate some of our children so we can have more money. It's, it's a, the new economic stimulus package. We'd say that's absurd. I was talking with my dad on Memorial Day and neither one of us could put it into words. It's just like, what kind of person thinks that this is a good idea. It's a person that's focused on the problem and not the God. It's no different than saying, hey, let's go back to Egypt. That's dumb. <laughs> that's dumb. But it sounded right. Let's get a new leader. No, that's dumb. You got a great leader. His name's God. Follow him. Stick with him. He'll lead you out of this. No, we need a new one. Let's silence the God talk. Let's shut up these Christians and so... That'll make the world a better place. And that goes on daily. Every choice we make affects somebody else. You know, in conversation with my dad, he said the same thing that I said about the nation of Israel. When seven people said, let's go this route, where was a nation rising up saying, oh no, we won't go that route? Where was a nation that would turn this on a dime? You've made a bad decision. That's not who we are. And we will not go that direction. Now we're not silent. But there's still much more we could do toward that call. I'm nervous to come before God and give an account of my days here while that was going on. And it goes on right here in my city. What did you do about it? Did you get like the millions? Oh, we can't do that. We can't speak. We can't. Or did we just take a logical step? What's the next step of faith we can take here? Pushing back darkness. We've got to be responsible. And we've got to be mindful of our responsibility to one another. This helps me. Right? In simple ways. Knowing my wife and my children watch my life helps me. Makes me accountable. Right? It helps me decide what kind of food I'm going to put in my body. Because they're there. It helps me make decisions because I'm thinking, well, if I do that, then how will that affect them? 
being connected with a church has the same effect. If I choose this, how will that influence my church family that God's connected me with? I prayed a long time ago for God to remind me that anytime I'm thinking of something or acting in a way that's not right, that you would remind me that you're here and you see my thoughts and you see the words that are getting ready to come out and you see my action. Remind me that you see this. So knowing that other people are watching bears a significant weight on my soul in helping me not follow my rebellious heart. So a good way to overcome that rebellion is just to remember the choices you and I make are going to affect other people. And what's that lasting impression? What's that legacy? What is that that we want to leave on them? And so these are just some of the ways here, all right, that we can learn from these people. You know, as I said earlier, God directs us, and He's the God who's still directing people. He's directing people to lead programs and to teach classes and to start ministries and to start businesses and to leave their home behind and take off on an adventure with Him. He's still writing the same stories that He was writing back in the days that we're talking about today. When you go on to read Numbers 14, I'll summarize for you. Go highlight it for yourself. The ten men who said, we're not going in, who spread this bad report, that very day they received a plague and they all died. And Moses spread that report around the nation. You know what the nation decides to do? Oh, now we'll go. Now we'll go. And so they rally together and they start heading out towards this promised land. And Moses says, what are you doing? God's not going. The Ark of the Covenant is not moving. His presence isn't with you. God has already told you what's going to happen. Forty years, you die here. Oh, no, no, no. We'll go now. But for millions of people, it was too late. And we talk about God as a God of second chance and third chance and fourth chance. And yes, He is. But He's also a God sometimes who draws a line and says, no more. Follow me now. No. Then you're done. No more. And five years from now, ten years from now, you and I might say, oh, I'll go now. I'll do what you were leading me to do years ago. I'll go do that now. And God's saying, I'm not with you. I'm not in this. See, right now, obedience is extremely important. So when I'm dealing with my rebellious heart, I need to remember these Israelites. And I need you to remind me of them. Or they got afraid, they panicked, they tried to figure it out on their own, and it led to a consequence that had lasting effects on people, generations. Matter of fact, we're still talking about them. So you need to get your eyes back on the Lord here. Remember their rebellion. So I think the real question then comes is then, do I want to overcome my rebellious heart? Do you want to overcome your rebellious heart? We've all said that we've got it and we struggle with it. How do I do it? Just take some next steps of faith. What's the next step of faith in your life? Everybody's got one. What's the next step of faith for you? 
could be in your home. It could be job-related. could be something dealing with the church. could be in restoring a relationship. could be in starting a business. I don't know what it is, but everybody in the room here, you've got a logical next step of faith to take, not knowing the outcome. Will you follow God in your next step? That's one way you battle your rebellious heart. Keep our eyes on God. That's another way to battle our rebellious heart here. And then live beyond the moment. Sometimes the moment creates panic. What am I going to do? Let's start thinking, how is it going to affect the other people in my life? What am I going to do right now? And how am I going to do that in such a way that it creates faith in those who are following my life? I just wonder, are you battling rebellion today? If so, we've, we've walked through some ways that we can overcome that if we'll walk with God through this.